Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And today we are chatting to Kim Balasubramaniam, who is Senior Broker at The Mortgage Man. Now, like so many of us, I had to renegotiate my mortgage at the end of last year. And there was just so much volatility in the markets, I felt like it was just something I couldn't sort out on my own. Now, the Mortgage Mum is a fully regulated team of over 20 female brokers. And they, well, look, they really understand that money is an emotional tool and not just a business one. And obviously, as regular listeners will know, I sold my house last year and I wish I'd known about Kim at that point. As both I and the mad husband are self-employed, we ended up using a broker to get us through the lending process, which is Byzantine at the moment. It's so complicated. And even though we were moving an existing mortgage and reducing it, it still took six months to sort out. And it really felt like they kept moving the goalposts. And the outlook, I have to say, doesn't seem any better. I had a press release in my inbox yesterday saying that over 800,000 households are expecting to see their mortgage rates double this year as they come off their fixed rate deals. And approvals are at their lowest rate for years. So I'm up for any financial advice I can get. <laughs> I mean, I'll admit, I've always found mortgages a bit of a minefield. I mean, we've got fixed, variable, tracker, two-year, five-year fixed. I mean, there's something called green mortgages. There's help to buy. I mean, Kim, where do we start? <laughs> it's so great to have you here on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, it can be confusing, can't it? <laughs> I think it can. And look, I want to also come clean a bit as well about the fact that historically I've always let my husband organize our mortgages and our finances and at the grand old age of 48 I'm beginning to take a bit more financial accountability for myself and this is why my experience of coming to you and you working with me and Tom to renew our mortgage was actually a really positive experience because before we met you we actually did speak to another mortgage broker really lovely chap He was great, very knowledgeable, had all the products in front of him. But you know what? He talked to Tom throughout the whole two hour meeting. Yeah, I sort of can't believe that still happens. You know, I I hear things like this and my brain is like 404, you know, computer error. Are you seriously telling me in the 21st century that you as a bloke on a mortgage deal are going to talk to my husband I mean I find it extraordinary well I think it's quite traditional I mean my upbringing was my dad always took care of the finances and my mum looked after the house and that's been my modelling but look me and Tom do not have that kind of relationship and I know a lot of people don't and actually Kim knows this we're actually renewing on my earnings because my husband closed his business in 2019 so actually it's my it's my accounting we're looking Absolutely. at so Kim I mean are you seeing a shift I mean I think it's interesting that the mortgage mum is a female only company just yeah. introduce us a little bit on why the mortgage mum came about so the mortgage mum was founded about four years ago um, by a lady called Sarah Tucker and she'd been a broker um, previously and she founded the company with Jamie Lewis who again had been in the industry 
industry for years and years and runs another very successful brokerage firm as well. She was a broker, but she was also a mum of a baby and had another one on the way um, and wanted to continue. But the, the kind of traditional way of doing things where you would go and see clients in the evenings or, you know, it'd be very much a, a face-to-face thing just wouldn't really work for her alongside, um, you know, having a family. Her business was obviously important to her, but her family was really important to her as well. And so she saw the fact that there was an opportunity perhaps to do things slightly differently. Um, and Jamie agreed. And four years later, here we are. We've got, like you say, nearly 30 brokers and we do things differently. We, we bring that kind of female touch to, to, to broking. And that doesn't mean it's any less serious or it's any less um, knowledgeable or credible. We just do things in a different way. So it's, it's very much about making the clients feel like they are empowered to make the decision. And it's a very collaborative process. Um, I think traditionally, like you say, there's been a kind of man in a suit that has gone through some details with you and then given you a rate um, and not a huge amount above that where you know whereas we a make the process much more collaborative and b look into the whole um, family's um, lifestyle and life and see how that mortgage is actually going to help them and you know what are their plans for five years time where do they see themselves what what is buying this house actually going to do for them and their family so it's much more than just picking the, the you know the cheapest rate on the market it's about so much more than that yeah no I couldn't agree more I think it I mean there's just so much to get through should we start with people who are looking to remortgage over the next year because that has been I mean it was just so I can't tell you how traumatic I found it we were up for renewing our mortgage so six months our mortgage is actually coming up in March but six months before that date you can start looking at products can't That's you right. so I yeah. got it in my calendar I think it was first of October I could start talking to mortgage brokers about coming off our fixed, which runs out, and renewing. And then the 23rd of September... All hell broke loose. Oh, my goodness. It was just unlike anything. So we found that. We found that within a week, suddenly, we were like, oh, my gosh. You know, I think we knew um, we were on a 1.7% fix for the last five years. I think we knew that that was going to go up. But suddenly, we were looking at 5 6% mortgages. Um, and it felt like overnight, which has a massive impact on everything in your life, doesn't it? So it's been. Have you have you had have you had a real fallout of people who've just felt utterly like me, traumatized by that revelation? Yeah, definitely. I think there was there was a huge amount of panic at the time, understandably so. You know, we did see things like a lot of lenders withdraw from the market for quite a while, but that was. It was mainly because they just didn't know how to price themselves because the markets were going so crazy that people literally didn't know where we were from, you know, pretty much one hour to the next. Um, so it, it was it was a scary time for a lot of people. Um, we were quite instrumental in promoting a, a kind of anti-fear <laughs> culture in a way, um, you know, kind of don't panic, actually get advice sit down and think about your options, really go through, you know, get the advice of a broker because um, that's what we're here for. Um, And, you know, I know for a lot of people, once they had spoken to us, they did feel calmer and, you know, understood that they did have options and there were things that they could possibly do um, and that we would help them do that. But yeah, it was a really scary time for a lot of people. It's definitely calmed down now, um, but rates are 
you know, hugely higher than they were back in um, July, August. And I think the other thing was that, um, you know, obviously when you eventually get a mortgage deal and we know that approvals are at their lowest rate, I mean... We just felt, my husband and I, the goalposts were moving all the time. We moved on the 28th of September, so we literally got in under the wire. well done. (laughs) It felt like every time we'd answer a question and then the bank would come back and say, oh, okay, you've answered that question, here's another question. And then the other thing they did was they... They were either so busy or there was a shortage of people working post-pandemic. I never really understood it. But they would say, we'll answer your question within a five-day turnaround. And, of course, the problem with trying to get mortgage approvals is that those five days go past and they answer that question and then you've got another one. And it's like, OK, bye, see you in five days. So it just went rolling on and on. And in the end, our broker... He just came to us one morning and he said, right, I'm going to ask you all sorts of really random questions and bits of paperwork. And I'm just trying to second guess anything they could possibly throw at me so I can then give it to them um, and we won't have any more delays. But it just it went on and on and on. And I, you know, I, I, I totally understand that sense of panic. So what do people do? Yeah, I think that's the thing. It was and that's a really good idea from your broker. Like there are lots of questions, particularly when you are both self-employed, because obviously from the lender's point of view, they need to know that your businesses are stable um, and that you're going to be able to afford the mortgage because lenders don't want to have to repossess properties. You know, that's that's not their business. They want you to be able to afford your mortgage for the term. And so there are a lots of rules and regulations in place to help them do that. But yes, so we've got about 300,000, just over 300,000 people every three months at the moment coming off a fixed rate deal and they are now going to have to look to remortgage. And as always, I, you know, our best advice is to get advice. <laughs> you know, we can look at your whole situation um, and see what the options are for you. And they're going to be very, very different for everybody. So what's, what's your neighbour's done or what your friend has done, that's not necessarily going to be the best thing for you to do. Um, and so I think that's, that's the main thing, is that everyone's situation is very different. The problem that we've got as well, obviously, is that mortgage rates have increased, but alongside cost of living, energy bills, food costs, you know, everything has just increased, hasn't it? And that's why a lot of um, affordability is slightly down, because the lenders take into account all of your monthly outgoings when they're working out what you can afford. So obviously, as inflation has risen, those monthly costs have risen as well. So that's that's why a lot of people are seeing that they're able to afford less potentially than they were, you know, maybe a year ago. So if you're remortgaging and you don't want to obviously sell your house, you want to keep hold of it, what are the options open to people? What was the sort of advice you'll be giving to someone if it looks like their remortgage deal is going to be tight? Um, Can you talk us through maybe some of the things that you could explore with people? Well, the first thing is to make that mortgage payment your absolute priority. So to go through your kind of monthly budget and say, is there anything that we can cut out here? Is there something that's perhaps not vital? Um, Because that has to be your absolute priority is, is paying that mortgage. There are certain things that we can do that wouldn't necessarily be traditional mortgage advice. So things like extending your term. Ultimately, that means that you're going to end up paying more interest over a longer period of time. And that isn't normally the advice that we would give. You know, normally we would try to get people to pay as less interest as they can so you want the kind of shortest term but it's not 
it's not a kind of usual time. So, you know, there are things that, that people can look at potentially. And that's, again, that's not going to be right for everybody. Um, but in certain extreme cases, it can offer a little bit of breathing space. So there are things to do. But that's, that's as brokers, that's what we can do is look at all the options and so that you can make an informed decision. What is the advice for, you know, we all know, we tend to know when our mortgage rates are coming up. Is there anything we can do to prepare? You know, what are the sort of, I don't know, top three or four things that that one can have ready and know the answers to, to shorten the process and reduce the stress? So I'd say before six months, get in contact with a broker, probably seven months now, because generally mortgage offers are valid for six months. So if you've, say, got a, a mortgage that's coming up for renewal in six months' time and it was offered, say, tomorrow, that would mean that you could complete um, when your current one came to an end. So allow a few weeks for us to kind of do our due diligence and get the paperwork and everything together. And also it does take time, even once we've put an application in, for the lenders to then make an offer. But the, the, the main thing is to get all your paperwork in order. So we need things like, um, you know, the last three months worth of all your bank statements. We need pay slips, three months pay slips generally if you're employed. If you're self-employed, then things like your tax returns. So your SA302 documents, which you can download from your um, HMRC account. And things like, you know, making sure that your driving license is in the right address that you're actually living in at the moment. All these things that we just don't think about can actually have um, a really detrimental impact because you then have to wait for, you know, proof of your address because we need things like, you know, we obviously need to prove who you are and what you do and that you are, you know, that you can actually um, afford this mortgage. So, yeah, I'd say those are the main things. I think also if you are know that you're on a really cheap rate um and we called them a covid cheap rate there were lots of you know very very cheap um fixes available during covid if you can do then perhaps start either overpaying if that if your mortgage allows you to by what you think it potentially is going to be saving that extra amount so that you're used to paying that extra you know whether it's 200 pounds a month or whatever it is for you that you're used to paying that as soon as you can be. Otherwise, you're just kind of kicking it down the street a little bit. Can you give us a bit of an insight into what the, you know, obviously all bounced up to about 6% last October. Are we bobbing around the sort of 4% now? What, where, where should people start thinking that their mortgage is going to end up, do you think? It definitely depends on what's called your loan to value. And that is the proportion of money that you need to borrow compared to the value of your house. So the higher the loan to value, so the more that the lender needs to give you, generally the higher the interest rates are. So the average fix at the moment, in October, the highest it went up to 6.65% for an average two-year fix. We're seeing that's come down. So now the average two-year fix is 5.75%. But there are definitely cheaper rates out there if you do have a better loan to value. I know you ha- you don't have a crystal ball and I don't want to draw you into telling us what's going to happen, but... 
What's the prognosis for? I mean, I've heard some people say it's in two to five years it'll come down again or it'll settle down. I mean, obviously, I think we're all resigned to the fact we're never going to see the below two percent again. No, I mean the Bank of England base rate is three and a half percent at the moment. Um, they do think that that's going to have to increase again, probably to the end of twenty three, because the inflation is still it's still over ten percent, which is you know that's not sustainable. So they need to get it down somehow. We just don't know. Um, I mean, experts are saying somewhere between, say, four and five percent is the is is what to expect for the next couple of years. But who knows? You know, a lot of the time it just comes down to how much risk you want to take as to whether things are going to decrease or increase, and and how much you know, essentially, how much disposable income you have um, to be able to to tolerate that. There is a lot of, you know, talk about the the market having been massively overheated. And, you know, I'm 55. My my sons are 19 and 21. So, you know, I, because of my age, hugely benefited from the rising market. You know, I didn't, we talk about home improvements. This is a podcast about interior design. To a certain extent, I didn't need to do anything to any of my houses because I just was in a in a buying position at a time when the market was rising. And and now you know I look at my sons and 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 that generation who are thinking will they ever get on the housing market and and what will they do and we look at countries in Europe where renting is absolutely the norm and there are much fairer deals for tenants perhaps than there are here. Do you think uh, perhaps that that this may lead to some form of correction where where houses are not perhaps as they have been viewed as a kind of pension or money-making scheme? Yeah, I mean, there's still 64% of um, properties in the UK are owner-occupied as opposed to rentings. The problem also that we've got, obviously, is that a lot of the buy-to-let market and the buy-to-let mortgages have increased hugely as well. So rent's going up a lot. I really feel for that generation because they are stuck between a rock and a hard place. So for first-time buyers, there are kind of things that you can look at. Um, there was a thing called a help to buy scheme, which has um, that's now ended, unfortunately, but there are a few other things. A thing called the first home scheme is kind of a local scheme that the government's put in to try and keep people in their local area and, and assist them with buying a house. So you can, as a first time buyer, um, purchase a house at a discounted price. Um, but it's only available in certain plots on new build um, developments and um, with certain lenders. Um, but there's quite a lot of information about that on the government website. There's also things like shared ownership, which is a kind of part buy, part rent scenario. So you would buy, say, 25% part of the of the house with a mortgage and a housing association would own the other 75%. And you would then pay rent on that 75%. There are still 95% mortgages out there. So if people could raise a 5% deposit, um, then often they can get a mortgage for the rest. For the, for the rest. And there are certain lenders that do things like, it's called a, a joint borrower sole occupier mortgage, where, for, for example, if you had parents who were able to perhaps go on the mortgage for a while using their income for affordability, 
um, to help out. But things like that really need a lot of specialist thought because it's, you know, there, there are obviously implications for all parties and things involved with that. So definitely, if that's something that you're considering, get advice around that. There's also still the lifetime ISA that people can um, can invest in if they want to invest some savings. And that's if you're between 18 and 40, I think it is, you can invest up to £4,000 a year into an ISA and the government will add an annual top-up of 25% up to £1,000 a year. And you can take that out to buy your first home if you've had it there for at least 12 months to help you buy your first home. Unless you use it for that, you can't then take it out until you're um, over 60. But if you are thinking of, say, purchasing a house in the next... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline five years for example then that could be a great way of being able to top up some savings um, to get um, more of a deposit but but yeah it's tricky you know it is tricky for the next generations so Kim I heard on the radio anecdotally some something that astonished me actually was they said something like a third of the population here in the UK have a mortgage a third own their property outright that's the bit that made my jaw hit the <laughs> the driving wheel I was like oh my god people people have actually paid off their mortgage and a third of people rent which I just think is really interesting to acknowledge isn't it I mean I'm obviously mortgage obsessed at that part of my life but it's not everybody's reality and obviously some people will be thinking of using the value of their property to pull out money to do renovations or extensions I'm sure I mean we know loads of our listeners out there are serial renovators and fixer-uppers can you talk us around how you go about doing that yeah absolutely so it's definitely possible I'm in the midst of my own renovation here and we're planning an extension so we're definitely looking into how to finance that at the moment there's various ways to do it and again I think for something like this it's really important to get advice around it because you need to weigh up whether actually a mortgage is the right option for you. Um, It may be that actually a kind of unsecured loan or something like that might be a better way, um, depending on on what you need, how how much you need, how how long you want it for. Obviously, a mortgage, you're generally looking at quite a long term. um, So you do end up paying quite a lot of interest over that term. And if you're doing a bigger project, like a big extension or something, then that may well be the best route. But like I say, kind of good to get advice. So there's a few ways to do it. So you can often get what's called a further advance with your current lender. So if your mortgage, say, is on a fixed rate that's not coming to an end for another four years, something like that, you'd perhaps look at getting a further advance from your current lender, um, which is where they would offer you um, an amount of money at a, a rate not the rate that you had originally, um, to kind of top up the mortgage account. So you'd have essentially two loans on the house with the same lender. You can also do what's called a second charge, where it would be another company that would come in um, and lend you the um, the amount that you needed, um, and they would have a charge over the property as well. So a charge essentially means that if your house got repossessed, and they had to sell it, 
um, your original mortgage company would have what's called a first charge. So they would get their money back first and then the, the other company would have a second charge. So generally second charge lending is higher rates because it's more risky for, for the lender. So yeah, there's, there are various ways around to do it. And obviously if your rate is coming to an end soon, um, then you could look at remortgaging and capital raising at the same time, you know, for more than your current mortgage is worth. So if you then went to a new lender, you would have obviously the money to pay off the old lender, but also a pot there for your renovations. So there's a few things to bear in mind though. Firstly, is that it's that, that, that kind of valuations are based on the current state of the property. So you do need to have... A, a, you know a, a decent amount of equity in the property already they don't they don't tend to base valuations on you know what's going to what the property is going to be worth once you've done it and certainly for for bigger projects they would ask for things like planning permission and estimates from builders quotes from you know quotes from companies and things like that so that they're not going to just kind of hand you the money for it you do need to go through a process of doing that but yeah it's something that's very common because I was going to say that raises the question obviously a mortgage or adding to your mortgage can be a cheaper way of borrowing because you're spreading it over a much longer period of time but does that perhaps then, as you say, make a difference on the type of renovations you're doing? Because you, you know, I mean, Sophie and I have discussed on the podcast before whether, you know, classically building into the side return of a Victorian property does add much money. You know, it might make your kitchen much nicer to live in and more pleasant to use. But is it going to actually material add value in the way that perhaps a loft conversion might add more value because you're adding an extra room? So, do you, do you have to be kind of wary? Presumably it's not worth doing it if you just, you know, want to have a new kitchen in the same space or, or is it? Well, I think it depends on how much equity there is in the home to start with. And like you say, what your, what your plans are. If you're doing it to, to increase the property price and then sell on, um, you know, quickly, that's obviously one decision. Whereas if you're you know, if you're in a home that you know you're going to be in for the next 10 years and actually renovating that kitchen or getting, you know, knocking out the back is actually going to make a huge difference to how you live as a family, then that's a very different decision, isn't it? And I think that's the thing. Often these, although they're about money, the decisions are about so much more than money, you know, that, and that's why people will continue to buy houses in a market that is volatile because moving house and buying a house and, finding a house that you love is about so much more than just the finances around it. Um, And particularly if you've bought somewhere that you know has got potential and that you can see yourself being in for the long term, um, you know, and you can afford it, then, you know, it can be a great way to actually make the house as you want it and and not have to then move again and and incur all of those costs that we know we have when, when we move, which can be, you know, really hefty (laughs) so yeah it's it's about weighing up all the different options but essentially you make an interesting point there Kim talking about the emotional decision about do you just want to improve the way you live and that comes back to this sort of whole idea of the mortgage mum and you know run by women understanding that it that it's not just a business transaction it is also an emotional one And I understand from sort of, you know, a little bit of research on you before we spoke to you that you were a wedding planner and now you're a mortgage broker. (laughs) That's quite a pivot or 
Or are there parallels? Is it just all dealing with people who are highly emotional? <laughs> yeah, I think my, my job as a planner has definitely stood me well for my job as a broker. Yeah, I was. I've, I, I run my own wedding planning consultancy for about 17 years and I loved it. But um, I'd kind of lost the passion for it a little, a little bit. And also COVID just completely wiped out the wedding industry for a while um and being a planner is it's an amazing job but it is a very all-consuming job you know typically I was on site for a week at a time and it took me away from my children and as they're growing older I just decided that's something that I didn't want to do anymore so I knew I wanted to make a change we've had just purchased our kind of forever home um and going through all of that process of the mortgage and um, the legal stuff and everything it just really interested me and I, I really loved it my background is in maths and stats so my degree is in maths I've always loved numbers absolutely loved them even when I was doing the weddings it was always the kind of the budgets and the logistics and the spreadsheets <laughs> that I really loved so yeah I had a friend that was a broker and um, had a chat to her about um, about what it entailed and thought that I would I would really love it and so took the plunge took my exams um, and here I am. So yeah, I, I absolutely love it, really love it. But you're right, certainly having dealt with a lot of stressed um, couples um, over the years has, has, uh, has served me well. <laughs> People always gave me the feedback that I was very calming. Um, and so I, I feel like that's, that's really useful. Yeah, well, that was, my, that was my experience, Kim, definitely. I think when I came to you at the end of last year, I wasn't feeling very <laughs> calm. I definitely felt like the rug had been taken from yeah. under my feet. But I am not somebody who loves a spreadsheet or numbers. <laughs> And so it can feel very overwhelming and and then that makes me feel anxious. So this is why I'm so delighted to have you on the podcast to say that, look, if numbers aren't your strong suit, it doesn't matter. There are people like you who you can talk to openly, you can get all your cards on the table. And like you say, it's not just a business transaction. This is your life, your home. We know for our listeners, our home is pivotal to their happiness and their well-being. We also know that home security is really important to our mental health and well-being. And a lot of us are not, have not been feeling that, have we? Over the last few years, not just since September, let's face it, it's been a roller coaster, hasn't it, for the last couple of years. So it's nice to know that there's someone like you with a steady hand and a calm demeanour <laughs> to help us through it. I'm sure I know the answer to this already, but obviously you are a, a company that employs only female brokers. But I'm sure you would say you're not just giving women advice. Absolutely, yeah, we have. And, and actually, we, we're kind of, we're an all-female brokerage, but we're not necessarily only for for women you know we just it just happens to be that we are all women because we all work in a certain way if a man was to approach and worked in that kind of way then that's you know that's fine but we just you know we we work around our families and we provide a much more flexible way of working and and way of working for our clients too you know we're able to offer evening appointments all of our um, stuff's done over zoom so it's all remote and kind of works around them so it's it's much more flexible for for both involved but yes we work with all sorts of clients um, across the country um, and like I say there's there's almost 30 of us now so um, we do cover the whole of the UK. Well Kim I think that that just leaves me to thank you so much for your valuable time your insights I found this really fascinating I never thought I'd want to talk about mortgages <laughs> for a full half hour but I've loved 
loved it. I know. I'm a convert. It is interesting, see? You love numbers, Sophie. <laughs> I'll get you on a spreadsheet soon. Thank you, Kim. It's been fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, both of you. It's been really fun. And for anyone who wants to find out more about Kim or indeed the rest of the Mortgage Mums, you can visit their website, themortgagemum.co.uk. That was just so interesting. Who knew? I mean, I am terrified of numbers. I remember when I was a junior reporter on the Birmingham Post and Mail and they would sometimes send me off to cover council meetings or council tax meetings and I'd get this sort of sheet of numbers and I just, I can't help it. I can feel myself tearing up now. (laughs) Um, And yet it was so interesting to hear Kim talk about it and also that, you know, that empathy I'm going to say that perhaps a female broker can bring to that situation which is so fraught and so stressful and I think I'm still recovering from moving house you know at the end of September so amazing and you know if you've had to renegotiate your mortgage recently or would you borrow against your house for renovations or repairs come and join the discussion on our Facebook group The Great Indoors Podcast. And you can also find us on Instagram where I'm Sophie Robinson Interiors and she's mad about the house and we've also popped down in the podcast show notes a link to the mortgage man but for now it just leaves me to thank our producer sarah cudden of feast collective and thanks so much to you for listening and we'll see you in the great indoors <laughs>